0: Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Christianity um, is the most persecuted religion worldwide. um, And that's why every year, Open Doors USA releases its list of top 50 countries where it is most dangerous to be a Christian. And this year, for the first time in 20 years, North Korea is not number one. Afghanistan has replaced it, and it's not because North Korea has improved any, it's because Afghanistan has simply gotten worse, as the chaotic withdrawal of U.S. forces left thousands of Christians, mostly Muslim converts, at the mercy of the Taliban, which is on a campaign to rid the country of Christians, either by converting them or killing them. Well, David Curry is CEO of Open Doors USA, and he joins me now with more details on this. Welcome, David. It's nice to be with you, Lauren. I'll tell you, this is very, very disturbing. Uh, Can you tell me more what's happening in Afghanistan and why this is happening?
1: Well, since they seized control in August, they've been cracking down on trying to find Christians uh, who live in their society. They... Under every metric that the Taliban uses, their ideology, their political system, they see Christians as as an enemy of what they plan to do. They see them as infidels of their faith. They see them as disloyal, and they justify then the the killing and and uh, violence against Christians. In their mind, it's perfectly acceptable. So you've seen this giant spike. Now I have to to back up for a second and remind everybody. Afghanistan was number two last year and the year before. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. already a very difficult, very difficult place to to have a faith, a Christian faith and faith in Jesus, to have a Bible, read it. Uh, The church is largely underground there. In previous years, what had happened was that the Taliban controlled about 65 to 70 percent of the regions of Afghanistan. People Mm -hmm. don't realize they they were already in charge in some sections of the of the country. What they weren't in charge of was the government uh, controlled uh, cities, Kabul and otherwise. Uh, They were still very uh, rough and ready. uh, You know, what we would think of as. much more frontier justice than you'd expect in the city. Yeah. But so many people had fled the Taliban areas to go to the city that the city had grown from 500,000 people to nearly 6 million people. Wow. And now many of those were Christians who were living in the city because they did not want to live in Taliban areas. So the Taliban knows this. Uh, they then began to go door to door trying to to uncover as, as you know, they had a list of prominent Christians. The idea was find the leaders, sever the leadership from, from the network, try to uncover the net, the underground network of Christians and destroy Christian faith.
0: What, um, Oh my goodness. Um, you actually had a press conference earlier this week and talked about some of the stories, the real personal stories, um, First accounts of people who've suffered out of the Taliban. Can you tell us some of those?
1: Well, there's a young woman that I, I mentioned named Zabi. She was, she's just one of these remarkable people who even in the midst of Afghanistan uh, found a way to go to school uh, as a female, get educated. She got high level degrees, began working with an international aid group, was in every way, this is what's so puzzling, in every way, the sort of person you'd want to build your society on, uh, honest, hardworking, supporting her family. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she became a secret believer a handful of years ago, she and her father and her brother. And her mother was uh, still practicing the Islamic faith. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, one by one, the Taliban uh, captured, tortured her father for his faith, killed him. Her brother disappeared a couple of years ago, and when the Taliban came in, she had to make a decision. So she's now on the run within the country, even though she has money in the bank. She can't get to it. She can't access it because that's that door is closed to her. She, she doesn't know what the capability is of getting across the border because certainly – those people who are in Pakistan or Tajikistan, some of these areas at mm-hmm. the border regions, there there's a threat that they're gonna be sent back. And if that happens, the Taliban will assume that these are traitors and, and they're gonna you know be imprisoned and tortured and likely killed. The the sounds harsh. I, I would love to to sort of soften the language, but that's the reality that people like Zabi face. Um and many Christians now are, you know, uh, we we make the estimate that basically every single Christian is either on the run or in hiding in that country, and Zabi's just one of them. Uh, she's, and she's they can't she's get out. They can't get out at
0: all. They can't. Uh, they can't find a way to get to a country of yeah. of, of refuge.
1: In early days, uh, they uh, some of some of the border regions were open, but then of course now, uh, and really within within a handful of days. Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Pakistan, the main areas and Iran, uh, the borders that surround uh, Afghanistan began to realize we're going to get flooded here. So they had to close the borders. And so now you have refugees on the other side of the border in these countries Mm
2: -hmm. uh,
1: that may or may not be getting any support the, the support to get – for let me use an example in Pakistan. The the refugee support in Pakistan is very uneven. You have some pretty rural areas. Uh, the Pakistan doesn't want to encourage that sort of thing uh, because of the, the political issues with, with Afghanistan. Tajikistan doesn't feel like they have the resources to do it. They've shut their border. So there are a lot of issues. People are going to try to sneak out, but these mm-hmm. are – incredible journeys that people would have to make from Kabul or some of these uh, central areas to, to these outskirts?
0: You know, one of the things that's just chilling is the idea that the government now is the Taliban and that the government has this list because every um, uh, everybody in Afghanistan has to register their religion, their faith. And by default, they're all saying that they're you know, Muslims, but there was a there were a group of Christians who actually made the bold move, you know, when the Taliban was in, con- in control, they actually changed their identity cards to include their Christian faith. And that's now in the hands of the Taliban, right?
1: And also those, uh, people that they believed were running uh, small groups or churches mm-hmm. or worked for aid agencies they they have any number of ways in which they're trying to cross-section this to figure out uh, who might be a Christian mm-hmm. so for example um, the education of women uh, young girls in school is, is 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 a major part of what You know, many Christian aid agencies would want to see girls educated, want to see their literacy grow uh, as a part of Christian charity. They've made that part. So they're looking at like who who is the people teaching young girls? Mm -hmm. Are they are they uh, good Muslims? Uh, They don't they they, in their extreme view, uh, they don't think so. So uh, they're they're not just sorting people who might have registered as Christians. They're sorting like who who is working in these medical fields? Who's working in these schools right and they're 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 sorting through those lists as well to see if their uh, faith is compliant with their extremist views of the Taliban
0: now what is the American government doing I mean I don't understand how you could have these kinds of stories and the State Department knows your list I mean the the, the new um, in, uh, ambassador at large for re- religious freedom I mean he understands I mean they use your list they understand what's going on but what are they trying to do of anything?
1: Well, I think there. Are, I would like to think there are voices within the administration that know uh, all of this stuff. Uh, whether they have the weight to, to 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 argue the the point to victory, I'm not sure. The disingenuous part of how this transition went down is that there was a sense or a statement from the from the State Department and the administration that, well. The you know the Taliban is a political player. They're you know they'll have to go through this process, and uh, there it's going to be Taliban 2.0, mm. and they promise that they're going to let g- girls be educated, all these kinds of things. Here, here's the disingenuous part: as I said previously, the Taliban was in control of seventy percent of the country, and they were ruling much as they had ruled twenty years previous. They're using extremist views. They're fomenting violence and training terrorists. And it's ridiculous on its face to say that all of a sudden when we leave, they're going to become honest actors in all of this. So from from top to bottom, the administration has, and I, I don't suppose I'm new in saying this, but they've mishandled this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just another sign of how bad it's going to get. I don't think there is any—I don't know of any action, and I've talked to folks in the Senate and the administration to to really uh, make any statements uh, regarding mm-hmm. how to help Christians. I think the main thing we can do in the short term is look at these refugee issues around the fringes of Afghanistan. There's hundreds— uh, really sort of orphaned in the UAE. We flew them out. Uh, they're stuck there. We, the, No Western country seems to be wanting to take them. Their kids have been out of school. They don't have any jobs. You know,
0: There's right. issues
1: to be resolved, even still with the refugees that are in Pakistan, in Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and the UAE uh, that uh, I think the administration can make some real ground on as a humanitarian effort at a minimum.
0: Well, that was one of the questions, like, why wouldn't some of these other sort of modern Muslim countries step in and help? Um, I want you to answer that question. But for first, you know, there was a story, I guess, a few months ago. No, it was probably more than a year ago about sort of the anger of some of the uh, of Muslims or the Taliban in uh, even modern Muslims in Afghanistan, that a lot of the Western um, influence when they were trying to, Bring influence to um, Afghanistan. So much of it was based on sort of liberal Western ideas, um, and it offended them. Um, you know, it, it just offended them because that's so much against their faith, and so and it's against a lot of Christians' faith. But faith, but because they associated Christianity with the Western world, they assumed that Christians were part of that. How much has that kind of fueled this um, campaign against Christians in Afghanistan?
1: Well, I know what you're talking about, the gender studies uh, right, issues right. that are we're, we're, we're contentious here in the States that uh, were promoted by intellectuals into Kabul University and so forth. Uh, but my opinion on that is less educated than some other things. What I would say is that there is a strong association with Amer- all Americans are Christians and, and therefore the, what the American government does is what Christians would do because they are theistic it's just they, they don't know anything about it. their government is a theistic government mm-hmm. which sees everything as as a whole piece uh, we puzzle over that because we look at uh, part of it is aren't uh, they don't understand Christian faith so you can go to church all day long and you may we don't assume that that somebody has a personal faith, mm-hmm. uh, whereas they're literally saying the Taliban literally is enforcing religious compliance. It's enough to go through the motions in their sense, by the, even at the point of a gun. Yeah. So, so there's a whole bunch of misses there between theology, their experience, our experience. But they certainly do think that when we when somebody pushes forward gender studies or any other kind of an idea, they think, "Wow, these Christians are weird." Yeah, uh, right. that that's just nothing holy about that.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: they they also, by the way, view the same thing when they see our media, when they see our television and and the things that Hollywood is pumping out. They assume that the the Christian world is decadent and and uh, and not serious about their 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 holiness right. and their spiritual practice.
0: Right. I mean, we can be really, really um, angry and, and just scratch our heads. Like, why is this happening? Why would, why would they want to just kill Christians? But when you understand what they associate with Christianity what they you know, in the Western world, you kind of start to understand the philosophy behind this idea that, you know, don't bring this kind of sin into our world because, you know, Islam is not about that. And so they have no understanding of Christianity itself that, you know, Jesus says, you know, turn the other cheek and love your enemy and all of those things which are sort of, um, you know, uh, counterintuitive for them. I mean, It's like, I don't understand. Why, why should I love my enemies? Why should I bless them? That's stupid. I mean, and so that, that I, the mentality really is just not part of their culture. But that shows you how much Christianity is a part of our culture, because it, it we does, do yeah. have that sense. And yeah, that comes from does. the Christian faith
1: they don't but i would go even farther there's high rates of illiteracy in afghanistan and in even in egypt and some of the more modern countries and so therefore some of the radicalized people are getting their information from a radical imam they yeah. they hear it on a friday afternoon in the mosque and they don't they never read a bible they know nothing of the teachings of jesus other than the the Isa that, that they hear about in in uh, through the Quran as a prophet, so uh, and that's that. But the, the 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 entire funnel of their understanding of Christianity might be from an extremist yeah. Islamic Imam,
0: right? And that's the an issue about. too: is that if you read the Quran, you actually understand that 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 the Quran actually reverent. Uh, reveres Jesus as a great prophet and also talks about his mother, Mary, as um, a great woman to um, to bow down to. I mean, they really do revere Jesus and Mary. And so if you read the Quran, you will actually know that. So it's, you're, you're right. I mean, it's obvious they're not reading the Quran for themselves. No, no. In m- most cases, they're not. Yeah. A lot of Christians are the same way, too. They don't read the Bible for themselves. Well, let's take a break right now on the Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We're going to come back and talk with uh, David Curry about the other um, uh, bad characters um, that are on the Open Doors World Watch list this year. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's your
2: man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering... From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services.
0: And we're back with David Curry, uh, CEO of Open Doors USA, talking about the 2022 world watch list of where it is most dangerous to be a Christian. Um, and what is it? 360 million Christians live in countries uh, that are that have some kind of religious uh, persecution or religious uh, restrictions. Is that right, David?
1: Yeah, it's 360 million and people puzzle over that. Like, how is that possible if I've never heard of Christian persecution before? Well, in China alone, there's a hundred million people who identify as followers of Jesus. Hundred million. Mm-hmm. Every one of those now is uh, su- under the pressure and surveillance of the government for their Christian faith through artificial intelligence and all the technology they have, all centralized. Yeah. Uh, y- you know, so even in just in one country, you can get to a hundred million Christians who face some pretty severe repercussions for their faith so it it's 360 million we've it that's the highest in our, our study wow. and then you you start thinking about other places in Asia in Africa the issues there so that it's it's a significant number it's one in seven Christians worldwide right now
0: I would actually f- argue that you would increase that number because there's a level of Christian persecution in Western countries but like I've always said it's really tailored to the culture like in America and in Canada and Western countries London all those um, was uh, European countries it's really a legal issue they approach they, they get at Christianity through the legal system um, the Canada is um, making it illegal for you know you to preach a sermon um, or you know uh, the Bible verses on homosexuality um, a lot of that is going on in America as well. So, I mean, I think it's always tailored to the culture. I mean, just in Boston, there's a, in a, a Supreme Court hearing, a case uh, where the uh, public building wouldn't display a Christian flag, even though they displayed all these other flags. So, I think, you know, couldn't you say that you could actually increase those numbers by, I don't know, at least thousands, um, because if you include Western countries?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, here's, here's the thing that we tried to elucidate in our data. W- what we're doing here is absolutely baseline numbers. So mm-hmm. when, we, when we say, look, we can document that 5,898 Christians were killed last year for faith-related reasons, that's, mm-hmm. it's not that only 5,800 people were killed for their faith. Right. It's just that we only can do, we, we want to be absolutely credible. So we're always going to be lower than what has happened. And you're right. The intolerance in the West is threatening. I think, you know, based on my knowledge of what's happening around the world, it's, it's shadows of what is happening uh, elsewhere. It's not nearly as intense, but it is serious. And I think we look at, for example, the the issues around data in China, or yeah. China when. You buy a phone, you have to register your facial recognition with the government. Wow. So everybody who owns a, a Chinese person who owns a cell phone, they have your facial recognition. Then they're going to have fit if you check into your uh, church or mosque with that facial recognition. So they know that David and Lauren have gone to church twice this month. What's wrong with them? And they're going to deduct that from your sh- social score. All of that happens without eyes and ears on it. They've programmed it in. So, wow. and I could go on. Now, then you start looking at the issues you mentioned people being deplatformed because they, they posted a sermon on YouTube that uh, it has uh, maybe unpolitically correct uh, uh, things in the eyes of, of some woke person at YouTube or Facebook deplatforming or shadow banning somebody because they all of these things are happening. They are happening. Yeah. We have to be clear. And it could get worse if we don't stand up and go, look, oh, I see what's happening in China. We don't want that to happen here. We've got to stand up and fight. We've got to create a way in which we can have some confidence that person can get up and, sh- and share a biblical message and, and uh, be able to post that sermon and share it with his people, and have a a service on Zoom without being monitored or shut down because they say something that some uh, young person in Silicon Valley doesn't like, and so they ban them. That's going that that's going to be a struggle. This is the battle for the next ten years is going to be around data in the West is going to be around yeah. data, freedom of speech, and and these kinds of things.
0: You know, uh, like nine of the ten. 10- Um, In the top 10 are either, you know, Muslim-majority countries or controlled by um, Islam, Islamic regimes, um, or Hinduism, which is an interesting kind of concept because everybody thought Hindus were like these peaceful-loving people. Um, Apparently not in in some of these radical countries. But why is China number 17? It just doesn't make any sense. With all the stuff we're worried about with China, it's 17. That seems like it should be in the top 10.
1: It, it, well, the, the severity of the persecution and the threat of it is is has a greater it has it has greater potential harm to the world than, than probably even Islamic extremists. Mm-hmm. It's number seventeen because when we measure these things, we're saying what's it like in the private life, the public life, the national life—is the government persecuting or is it extremist group? And then we, what, one of the factors we we measure is violence. Mm-hmm. And in the reality is in China, the violence level is low and the family life uh, persecution is low. In other words, your family, if you become a follower of Jesus, your family's not going to kill you. They're not going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. They, they might be disappointed. They don't want you to bring shame on the family. But there are lots of families who are happy to have their... Son or daughter or mom or dad be a Christian because they're better citizens and their corruption's a major issue there and the drugs and all all the ways in which spiritual life improves you. So that that's it's not that the government's persecution is not pernicious and growing. It's that the family doesn't have a problem with you becoming a Christian, generally speaking, mm-hmm. and neither does. Is there uh, uh, public executions in the street right now?
0: I guess if you measure it on that scale, yes. I mean, I can see where China could be sort of, um, you know, down on the list. But it's their kind of persecution is very sinister. You know, okay. very, um, very suspicious, sinister. You don't even know what's happening. And, and this whole idea that they've actually outlawed children under 18 going to church. What's that about?
1: What it's about is that the, you mentioned the word sinister. What's especially sinister is the strategic way in which they're piece by piece choking Christian faith. And this is yet another way they do it. They're basically saying, we don't want you to talk about this with the next generation. And they're making a gamble that by the time these kids are 18, that no child under the age of 18 can go to a church in China. They're not allowed to, not to Bible study, not to youth group. They're hoping that parents are not going to disciple their kids and that these kids are going to get inundated with communist ideology and communist uh, China values in school and university. Mm. And that they'll, they'll be able in a generation or two to be able to exterminate Christian faith.
0: Well, see, and that's kind of what happens also in the United States. I mean, you were going through this process from the COVID shutdown of parents understanding what the what the schools are actually teaching their kids, and that's one of the reasons why Christianity is waning in the West is because of what's happening in the public schools, because what they're teaching um, kids in the public schools, and because parents perhaps have a weaker faith um, than the than the the Chinese Christians who really are very passionate about their faith. Um, I just, I'm wondering man, how they're betting that the, the parents aren't discipling their kids. I mean, that can't be happening. I mean, they've got to be discipling their kids because it's a way of life as well.
1: Well, China has the advantage of, of not having abandoned the, the small group, cell group concept of discipleship so i think that they've only had uh, i would say even 10 years of of what would be termed a mega church movement prior to that everything was in house churches everything was in the family um and so they can f- f- they're f- being forced now to get back into that rhythm and i think they'll find it and uh, parents are going to take more responsibility uh there is a sense i think you know uh, in, in many people, it's it's an intimidation. Do I know enough about the scripture to teach it? But the reality is this is about a living faith. And folks have the right to kind of open up a Bible and go through it and say, hey, you know, kids, here's what we're studying. Here's what we're learning. Here's what we're going through. And uh, then augment that with, with teaching in a cell group. I think that's going to be the maturing of the Chinese church. When I was there 10 years ago, or I suppose it was mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago now, I uh, the The mega church movement in China was still taking off uh and I had the thought scary thought this this church is beginning to look like the American church, mm-hmm. a mile wide an inch deep yeah. and then they they had this pressure and I think I was back as late as uh December of twenty nineteen prior to covid and uh i the church had already shifted their strategy and they were um moving into small groups, moving into yeah. uh, uh, cell groups, uh, dividing up leadership, no more massive sage from the stage kind of stuff, but just let's let's train leaders to lead groups of 5, 10, 15. And they were getting serious about it, and that was an encouragement to me. I think that's one of the takeaways of the World Watch List is that church leaders and believers who are serious about their faith should study this and say, what's working in countries that that are persecuted for their faith? And how can we emulate that in our churches and in our families, uh, so that we learn the lessons and we and take inspiration? Because you mentioned it's dark. Yes, there's a lot of darkness in this. I think the blessing of it is that the faith of the persecuted church is is strong and growing. And um, while the church doesn't always grow into persecution, often it matures. And the stories that you learn and the lessons you learn are are deep and profound.
0: Um i am a lit I was really very disturbed and angered to hear that the Chinese government was actually attacking the Bible itself, actually kind of trying to rewrite parts of it that they felt were subversive or did not bow to the authority of the state. Um, how are they able to do that?
1: well they're they're cutting off distribution so that mm-hmm. not just it's not just anyone who can uh, print a Bible and sell a Bible. so they've made it so that only state authorized churches the three self church kind of god country uh, sort mm-hmm. of uh, theme to the chinese church only the three self church was able to sell physical bibles to to folks mm-hmm. so then they could then control the the physical distribution and then now they've passed laws around online distribution so you can't just go to their version of Amazon, Alibaba or something, and, mm-hmm. and just buy a Bible that's made by the West. So they've cut off, they've re- constrained distribution. And then they begin to say, like, you're not going to be able to sell just any Bible. You're going to have to sell a Bible that is, conforms with the, 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 the values of the Chinese church. So they are excising portions of the Bible that they think are problematic. Um, and then they're gonna say, people are free to, to go to church and you're free to read a Bible, and they will say it with a straight face, not and most people will be uninformed about it and say not realize that they when they go to church, they're punished for going to church and they're monitored while they're going to church, unless they go to a church that's already been censored where the pastor uh-huh. because the national church they have to approve their sermons in advance. Wow, I sat in them. They're monitored. They're watching me. They're watching the preacher, and and uh, so they are very sinister and clever about how they
0: do it. Um, you know, the, uh, I'm not sure if you know, but um, the uh, Museum of the Bible is preparing for a um, a um, uh, an opening of a um, display for Watchman Nee, who uh, is a Chinese Christian teacher. Mm-hmm. Who, and uh, and so this is going to be an, an incredible um, presentation because a lot of people don't know about him. I didn't know very much about him, but he spent the last years of his life in prison and they basically killed him. Um, but he was a strong Christian. And in connection with that, the uh, Museum of the Bible will be selling Bibles in Chinese, Mandarin, um, for that. And really talking about um, China um, but one of the last thing though, this is this creates a quandary for a lot of us when we consider that in a couple of weeks uh, or there there will be the uh, the Winter Olympics in China right. And this is an issue if we are so uh, worried about Chinese um, control over Christianity and every other religion in China. what can you do?
1: Well, we're recommending that... The people of faith boycott watching the olympics starve china of the attention and money as much as we can at this late date that they're they're seeking they are trying to sports wash or whitewash their human rights record uh so if you know certainly all the things they're doing to the Uyghur muslims absolutely outrageous uh sterilization and forced labor and all these kinds of things it's Somehow we have to get ahead of this with the International Olympic Committee so that they're never again allowed or without massive revolt to appoint an Olympic Games into a country that has such a horrendous human rights record. It's very reminiscent of the struggle back in the 30s when Nazi Germany got it. Uh, And apparently the Olympic Committee hasn't learned that lesson. So I'm encouraging Christians to boycott watching it, and Muslims as well. Um, it's hard for me to say that because I love sports. I watch yeah. sport all the time. I love uh, the, the the heroic and courageous way in which people are, are, are competing. Um, and it's certainly not the athlete's fault. But the reality is how do we address this? We can't continue to look the other way as corporations have their clothing uh, put together by forced labor and – the car companies decide to build stuff uh, using forced labor in these regions where the Chinese are imprisoning people and they're having Olympics and celebrating and trying to be part of the international community. When meanwhile, they're shutting down Hong Kong, they're imprisoning Uyghur Muslims, they're editing the Bible and everybody just kind of like, well, you know, at least our products are cheap that Mm -hmm. we, we can't, we have to start doing the math.
0: Well, I would encourage NBC and maybe they're doing that to do some stories on what's really happening in China and really put it in the face of the Chinese government and just say, okay, we've got the Olympics and, but this is reality and do it that way. And I'm wondering if they have, you know, the strength and the courage to do it, you know,
1: that, that would be amazing. Um, my, uh, I would love to see it. My guess, and you probably know more about how the, those pressures work than I do, certainly. But um, I think that, the, that China would certainly uh, re- respond to that in a, in a very strong and negative way. And I think maybe that's the point. They're not going to allow you to speak freely. And NBC would have to learn that lesson. And maybe that would be a good example as to what, what is really happening in that
0: country. You know, Ambassador Sam Brownback um, uh, said something very profound because he actually uh, quoted somebody else, but he talked about how there really is kind of a proxy philosophical war going on between the United States and China, and either the world will be controlled by Chinese diplomacy or Chinese philosophy, or it'll be controlled by the U.S. and what the U.S. brings to the table. And this is really the the, the the you know the the challenge for all of us and we've gotta be aware of what the Chinese government's power is really actually creating.
1: Yeah, their their network is sophisticated. They're spending money, leveraging infrastructure across Africa, across Asia, in order to put governments into the same kind of quandary that NBC is in now, which is if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize us you're gonna lose access to all of this and uh, we can hold you hostage through our financial leverage and other things. so that is why they they're ahead of us in that sense because we we don't believe in investing anymore as you could see by our pullout in Afghanistan and letting countries and you look at the world watch list Yemen, Libya, Afghanistan, uh, the, these are areas that we've sort of withdrawn from, and now they're failed states controlled by terrorists or tribal groups, and uh, the persecution and human rights is through the roof. Uh, violations is through the roof.
0: Wow, David Curry, CEO of Open Doors USA. Thank you so much. And where can people go to look at the very comprehensive list uh, of the World Watch List?
1: OpenDoorsUSA.org, and there's stories of inspiration in the midst of all of the data and the and the statistical stuff, so that you can find out like, hey, what what are the life lessons, the spiritual lessons in the midst of all of this? There's some real heroes of the faith in China, in Afghanistan uh, that uh, would would uh, really change your perspective on what's possible. So I encourage you to go to OpenDoorsUSA.org, pray through it, learn from it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, David, for being on on Lighthouse Faith Podcast.
1: Thank you, Lauren.
0: And thank you all for listening. I encourage you to check out the World Watch list and learn a lot about what's happening in the world. It will be a a real eye-opener. Thank you so much. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.